0: Excited about what we're going to be getting into today, and I was really trying to get our speaker on something this morning. He walks in, and I said, hey, man, I'm proud of you. Dude, looks like you popped for five or ten on this shirt this morning. (laughs) What's going on? Are you being a hypocrite here or what? And he informed me that his mother-in-law gave it to him. So that's even better than 25 cents. (laughs) Chad Horton, everybody, let's let's get in with you.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Woo! Woo! Free. I love free. (laughs) You know, as I was meditating out there and listening to the song, I read, I looked up and God gave me just this vision of a third grade picture that was drawn back there. Did you know that snakes have no eyelids? I learned that off of one of the drawings back here. (laughs) Snakes have no eyelids. They also are completely deaf, so they can't hear what I'm saying. But what I thought was very interesting, it said that uh, snakes, like all reptiles, are incapable of learning. Did you know that? I had no idea. A third grader just taught me that about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Reptiles are incapable of learning, they go by all instincts. And I thought, how profound is that? Because when we are investing our money, who got their first quarter statements from their 401k or something since we've been together last? Oh, yeah. Everybody, oh. Worst January we've had in 73 years Worst first quarter we've had in about 52 years So don't feel bad But I thought that was very interesting That snakes are incapable of learning So they do everything by instinct They can't learn And if we do things by instinct What do you want to do right now? Get it out, sell it all, right? I can't take this anymore It's going to zero, right? Home Depot, Walmart, Lowe's, Procter & Gamble, all these companies are going bankrupt, they're all going out of business, right? It's done, the end of the world. That's our thats our instinct, that's our reaction, but um, I think we are a little higher on the food chain than reptiles are, so I think we are capable of learning. So today, I, I'm, a, I'm a children's pastor, I was a children's pastor, I guess I still kind of am, kids still call me Pastor Chad, but... I was a children's pastor, so I have to take these complex ideas and biblical truths and really break them down to a kid's level, and that's what I'm going to kind of try to do today is take this thing called investing, this big thing, and really kind of break it down to a level that we can all understand and appreciate so that we can avoid reacting like snakes and by instinct and saying, just get me out. I don't understand this. I don't understand what's going on. Get me out, because we all are capable of learning. <clears throat> so I thought that was interesting. I just wanted to share that with you. That was free. Um, Let's just recap real quick. The very first week we talked about ownership and understanding, well, whose money it is and kind of trying to break some of our personal and and ties to money so that we can use it for really what God intended. And then last week we talked about uh, taking on debt and the mentality of taking on too much debt and what we think when we do that and, and really trying to getting a spending plan put in place, understanding where our money is going, understand what it's doing for us and where it's going. Those were very, very important stakes in the ground, and once we get those two in place, then we can really kind of start building on this next one that we're going to take some time today to talk about, it, is investing, and that's what we do with our money once we have that spending plan, and once the, the debt is kind of taken care of, and this is where it gets a little more fun, right? This is where, oh, we get to talk about stocks, and triple we're going to triple our money in a week, right? You know, that's that's what everyone thinks about. But, you know, I've mentioned, you know, Tom mentioned Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey has these baby steps, and I want to kind of walk through them just very, very briefly before we get into it because Dave, like Tom said, is a phenomenal man. Dave's going to retire in about 30 years, and I hope to take over for him. So (laughs) be praying for me. I don't know if it's going to work out or not. You know, Dave hasn't returned my phone call on that one yet, but we're still figuring it out. But Dave talks about his baby steps, and his very first baby step is, look, get 1000 bucks in the bank sitting in cash. Ten Ben Franklins just sitting there doing nothing before you do anything else. Just in case, you know, you need 200 bucks tomorrow for something that you didn't see, and then everything you're trying to do goes for naught. So that's the very first baby step. The second one he talks about is getting out of debt. And he goes into the debt snowball. And we already talked about when we talked about it last week. Went through it in great detail. Get that debt snowball going. Get rid of that debt as your next baby step. Once you're finished with that and you've gotten rid of all of that debt, the credit card and the, the car payments, everything except the house, then you move on to baby step three, which is uh, three to six months of living expenses in a money market or savings. And I'm going to go into that a little bit more. But that's the baby step three. And then baby step four is uh, invest 15% of your household income into either pre-tax, retirement accounts, or I think Dave talks about Roths a lot, which we are going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about that a little more. Uh, His baby step five, after you start investing, is to do some college planning. And we'll try to touch on that a little bit. I'm sure if you've got kids, you've got college questions. Uh, Get those for next week. I'm not going to hit college planning a lot today, but if you've got questions about it, bring it up next week. We can discuss it. Uh, Baby step six is uh pay off then you can go back and say all right now you start paying off the house get it done early and then baby step seven is the most fun one of all is where you start giving and really building wealth um and that's the really fun part but i I wanted to run through those because i want you to get dave ramsey in your life i think that's really important find which radio station he's on around here he's on uh xm the business fox business channel is that what you said uh, he, I'm sure he's on a local AM or FM station around here in St. Louis somewhere. Find him. Figure out when he plays. Start listening to the guy. Make him a daily part of your life. He is hilarious. You'll love him he, for entertainment uh, of nothing else. But those are his baby steps. And I wanna, I'm going to draw a couple things out of those real quick before we move on. But um, get Dave in your life because he really emulates and he has lived everything that we've talked about today. And as I'm gone, you're not going to have me anymore. Uh, to waste your Sunday morning, so you're going to have to find something else to do um, other than just come and listen to me. I think the, the, the most important crucial step here is that getting out of debt, except for the house. You know, we talked about it last week, but to, to go and invest monies while you still have debt hanging out there, to make 12% on a good mutual fund over here, but then pay 22% on your Visa card, doesn't make much sense. It's like trying to fill that bathtub with the drain open. You, just, you, you make a lot of noise, the water's running, it sounds like you're getting somewhere, right? But every time you come to check the bathtub, you've made no ground, right? So you, you got to plug the hole before you try to fill the bathtub. So get rid of all of that debt. Um, and don't ever, ever, ever borrow money to invest. Don't ever borrow money to invest or, go, or margin or using leverage. This is a game that is really best left to the most astute of investors and even they get burned considerably. You remember last summer, Bear Stearns had two hedge funds go belly up. Billion dollar hedge funds went belly up. And you ask how in the world can that happen? Leverage. (laughs) Borrowing money to buy stocks or borrowing money to buy investments. Let me ask you a question. If I called you up tomorrow and I said, hey Rick, I got the best investment in the world, buddy. Give me some money. We're going to make you some cash. Rick says, hey, I don't have any. I said, Rick, no problem. Just go down to the bank, get a second mortgage on your house. you got all the money in the world to invest. Rick says, why didn't I think of that? I'll call you back, right? Does that sound like a good idea so far? Not really. No, but let's take it a step further, and let me show you what happened to those hedge funds and how this can really compound on itself. Let's say, Rick, that we do that, and you give me that money. And then a few months later, the bank's looking at Rick and says, we think Rick's a bad investment. Rick, we want both mortgages paid off in 30 days. Thank you. Rick says, whoa. Rick calls Chad and says, Chad, I need my money back out of that investment. I said, Rick, man, we just had the worst January in 73 years, dude. It's worth half of what you put in. Not to mention, Rick, your house is down in value 30%. Now Rick's got both notes on his house due. The investment that he's bought is worth half its value, his home is down 30%, he's got nothing to cover it. That's what leverage can do. And that's what happened to those billion dollar hedge funds. They got greedy, they borrowed money to buy more, they borrowed to buy more, and they got too extended and that's exactly what happened. Don't do it. That is when it gets downright ugly. That is the ugly of investing, but it's tempting. It's tempting. I, th- I think the the second most crucial thing there is setting up that emergency fund. Step two, setting up that emergency fund of three to six months of living expenses. And I'll tell you, if you're in a commission type of job, and you can commission people where your income can fluctuate from month to month, that's the same, same deal with me. It's up and down. I mean, it just kinda, it, I don't have a baseline. I would recommend you to push more towards that six-month part of that because, um, you know, you're just, you just have a little more variance there. So go for six months of your living expenses. And don't ever let anyone tell you to do anything else other than a money market or a savings account with this money. I don't care how much of a good thing it is. I don't care how great the stock sounds. I don't care how wonderful the mutual fund's track record is. You don't do anything with this money other than a money market or a savings account. This is money that is not designed to make you rich. This money is designed to keep you from being poor. The three to six months of living expenses has got to be in an investment that does not fluctuate. And the minute you need it, the day you turn around and say, I need a check, it's there, it's collecting dust, it's kind of in that shoebox somewhere, if you will. But the money market's going to earn you 3% or so, a little less now because of the way feds have done rates. But, you know, 2%, if you're getting 2% on a money market, that's good. Whatever you get, don't worry about the rate. Just know that it's there and it's safe and it's there when you need it. That's the key. Because you run two risks if you don't have this in place. Number one, the first risk that you run is that the next emergency that pops up, you can't afford to pay it. And then you're going off and, and, you're, and you're taking on debt to take care of that emergency that popped up, and now you're back on that treadmill again, and we're not going to kick that dead horse. But I think the second thing that you risk by not having the emergency fund there is you're going to liquidate your long-term investments that might be doing well. Maybe those are doing well for you and you got to sell them to take care of a short term need or even worse the investment is down in value and now you got to sell it and you're not going to get near as much maybe you got to take you got taxes to think about maybe penalties if you draw it out of the wrong account right what if you got to yank it out of your IRA early IRS is going to hit you with a 10% penalty right off the top there's a lot of things that can happen if you don't have that emergency fund in place so i think that's a really important one And I talk about those two in particular because we really want to make sure those are in place and taking, well, I should say taken care of before we really kind of get into the investing part. And then this third one, and and this is one that I think we miss a lot, is putting a good insurance plan in place. I will tell you that this is the place that I see most of my clients neglect. And on your your seat, you have a, a handout, and it kind of looks like this. If you want to yank that out and have that as a reference here in just a minute. You want to make sure that your family is taken care of if something was to happen to you. And insurance is the most efficient and safest way to do that. You want to know how to take $100 and turn it into a million dollars with the stroke of a pen? Term life insurance. 100 bucks into a million bucks like that. Term life insurance. Now, I want you to look at this handout. Because I will tell you... That if we took a poll and we crunched the numbers, I will tell you, and I would almost guarantee my firstborn son on it, that 95% of us are underinsured. We are underinsured. Meaning, if we died today, our families would be in a financial crisis. So let's walk through this real quick. This worksheet will tell you how much life insurance you need. So let's just walk through this real quick. And I'm telling you, if there are two things that I leave you with when I'm gone is that, number one, you understand whose money it is, and you understand the importance of giving back to God. And the second thing is, is that you've got your family protected in case something happens to you. So this is a close second. All right, so pay attention to this. What this sheet does, it allows you to put down your, you see the numbers one through six. These are kind of your immediate needs. You know, how am I going to pay for my funeral? Obviously, number one, right? And I'll tell you, it takes about ten grand to put somebody in the dirt right now. Me? You know, stick me in a pine box, ship me down the Mississippi, and just hey, you know, it's just a, it's just a show when I'm gone. You know, I don't care. You know, spend twenty bucks at Lowe's, get me some pine, some some plywood. And, but uh, but some fixed folks want to go off a little better. The second your mortgage. Now I want you to put down the dollars in today's dollars. If I walked out of here and I died tomorrow, what do I need to have taken care of? So write down whatever your mortgage is. What do you owe left on the house? That goes in there. Other debts that you have, car debts, uh, credit card, all this stuff that we have. An emergency fund, what kind of... Think about it in this fashion. If I died tomorrow, what would I want my wife to have and not to have to worry about? So how much would you want to have in an emergency fund? Think about this. Education, number five. If you have small children, what's it going to take to put your kids through college? Do you want your surviving spouse to have to worry about that without you? I mean, you're worried about it now with both incomes, right? Can you imagine if you're gone? What kind of future do your children have? These are things that we don't like to think about, but they are paramount. So, and I will tell you that my kids are 6, 4, and 1, and it's going to take me about a quarter of a million dollars to get all three of them through college. Mm. Yeah, 250 So, education fund, what do you think it's going to cost to put them through college? All the kids, write that number down in there. and See, you're already saying, man, I don't have near enough, and we're not even half done yet, <laughs> right? So add those up. Those are your immediate cash needs. And then number seven is the biggest. This is the biggest expense to our insurance plan. This is your survivor's income replacement. Because I will tell you that in my, my like in my example, my life, my wife doesn't work. She stays home. What does she do if I die? I have three young children who are not used to going to a daycare or being with a sitter. I don't want her to have to go back to work just to keep food on the table. So, number seven is very, very important. Okay? So, you put in there your today's income. Whatever I'm making today, put that down. Okay? That's what I need my surviving spouse to have. My surviving spouse's full-time job is making sure my children are taken care of. Because if I'm gone, that job just got twice as hard. And it wasn't that easy to begin with. Then line number eight is your money factor. So go down to this chart at the bottom. okay? And over on the left-hand side is the number of years. And the way that I would use that number of years is say, okay, how long until my last child is out of college and on their own to where my surviving spouse really doesn't have to worry about him that much anymore, especially from a financial standpoint? If, got a, if your youngest is 5, then I think you're looking at a minimum of 15 to 20 years. If your youngest is 10, you're probably looking at a minimum of 10 to 15 years to where that final child is out of the home on their own, and then your spouse can go back to work if they, if they choose to. But, okay, so let's say, for example, you got 20 years. You want to say, you know what, my final kid will be out of school, done, 20 years on their own then you roll over uh, along the top of this chart is the rate of return that you might expect and i would just recommend to use the 6%. so if you got a pencil just circle that 6 because that's just a nice conservative number that almost any yay who out there should be able to get you. so 6%. so if i want if i want this in, if i want my current income to be replaced for 20 years for my spouse i follow the 20 year line over under the 6. And what number do I get? 12.2, thank you. 12.2, so carry that number up to line 8. 12.2, multiply that by your income. Yeah, now you see why 95% of us are probably underinsured. This is not pie in the sky stuff. This is real world. This is what you have to be prepared for. Some of you are going to be looking at a million, million and a half that you need in life insurance today to take care of college and income replacement. And you think, my gosh, well, how in the world do I ever do that? Well, term life insurance. I'll tell you, a 50-year-old can get about a million bucks for 100 bucks a month for 20 years. But see, here's the deal. A lot of these problems are going to go away in 20 or 25 years. That's why we do term insurance. You don't do permanent. Permanent will cost your arm and a leg. You do term insurance. Because eventually, when the kids are out of school and done and gone, these problems are going to be gone away, and we want this insurance to go away. But for right now, in my situation, i got a lot on the line if I don't make it back to Jeff City today. And i got to make sure that that is taken care of. Insurance, that is crucial, crucial. Sit down, go through that, make sure you do it, because that is something else you got to have in place before you do investments. Because this is a good way to leverage your dollars right here is using term life insurance. Um, And then after we've done all these things and we get the insurance plan in place, then we're about ready to start investing, right? So let's jump right into this thing. And if you have questions on this, obviously, next week, you know, bring them. Ask them. We're going to be covering anything, anything you want. Throw it out there. I'm game. Um, Einstein said, Albert Einstein, said that the two of the most powerful forces in the world is tax-deferred growth and compounded interest. And he was absolutely right. You know, uh, there, there are many ways that we can get tax-deferred growth. Uh, one that most of us are going to uh, be familiar with is the 401K. Anybody got a 401K at work? Right. Um, if you work for, like, a hospital or a church or a school, maybe you've got a 403B. Uh, if you work for the federal government... Maybe you have a TSP, or uh, if you work for a smaller business, maybe a simple IRA or a SEP IRA, something like that. We all have a retirement plan at work that that is probably available for us, and most likely you're using it, hopefully. You're putting a little bit into it, or you've got a balance in there of some type. 401Ks are very, very important, and you've probably got investments in there right now, and I'm not going to tell you to liquidate those and go pay off debt. Okay, If you've got investments already, leave it there. Let it work. Let it sit. Take care of this other stuff that we're talking about, the spending plan, the debt, and then go back and start reinvesting as soon as you can. Um, but I will tell you that um, as a bonus, just for playing the game this morning, uh, and I know because I know how important 401Ks are, um, I'm going to offer a free service to you that I offer to everyone is to give you a free 401K review. And that's where we will walk through and I'll look at your 401K investment options I'll talk to you for about three or four minutes on the phone and we'll get you set up and allocated inside that 401k in the best fashion that you can be. Because I will tell you that the, the polls, when I asked the question of my clients how they chose their investment options, well, I just looked at the guy next to me or whatever you know, whatever this guy was doing over here. That's what I did. I don't know. I just chose the one that had the best returns. <laughs> that's a way to do it. <laughs> but here's my numbers. Um, if you want to fax me your 401k statement or if you have uh, your your list of investment options available to you that's what we would need to see my fax number is the top number 636-6549 fax it to me Uh, I'll do a quick review of those I'll probably know some of the funds in there already if not I'll get the information that I need for the others and then you can call me on the inside call me on the bat line that's my 1-800 number there and I'll tell you which investments you should be using and because you should have a pretty good choice in there, but there, from my experience, there are some that you want to use, and then there are some that you really want to stay away from, uh, especially in the times we find ourselves today. So, um, so take advantage of that. Now, let's talk about how to utilize tax deferral, and then let's go one step further and talk about tax-free. Anybody like tax-free? Hey, Amen. <laughs> I like tax-free. Tax deferral is not tax-free. Okay. Tax deferral is you simply pay the taxes later, all right? In your typical 401k plan, this is what you're dealing with. You put in pre-tax dollars, obviously, where the government says, I'm not going to tax you on this money if you put it in the 401k. I won't tax it this year. I'm going to tax it later when you take it out, right? That reduces your amount of income. Now, here's my recommendation on your 401k. Find out if your employer matches, If your employer matches anything, you have got to start there. As Johnny Cochran, you remember Johnny Cochran, OJ's? OJ's, he said, if the gloves don't fit, you must acquit. Well, I think Johnny would say, if your employer will match, you must detach with some money, right? If your employer matches, you must detach with some of that money because you are throwing free money out the window. Any dollars that you put in Your employer is gonna put in the same amount. That's doubling your money risk free. Okay? It's free money. You gotta do it. I don't care if it's 25 bucks a month, put 25 bucks in. If it's 150 bucks a month, you gotta find a way to put 150 bucks a month in. Find out what that dollar is. You cannot walk away from free money. Your human resources person at work should know it. If they don't know it, call the 1 800 number on your 401k statement. If they don't know it, Fax it to me, call me, we'll get the number, we'll figure out what you got to put in there, but you got to get that free money. You cannot afford not to do it. Now, if your employer doesn't match anything and they just say, you know, on your own at your free will, then you've got, then I recommend going to an individual IRA uh, rather than the 401k. And primarily one versus the other, but I'll talk about both real quick. There's two kinds of IRA, one is a traditional IRA. The traditional IRA is where you get a tax deduction today, right, and you pay tax later. Did anybody have their their tax guy or lady tell them, you know what, you ought to do an IRA contribution this year for a deduction? Nobody needed that? Okay, good. I've had a number of clients, they come in like the last day, oh, I got to do an IRA, I got to do an IRA, I got to do an IRA. It's going to save me some tax dollars. That's the traditional IRAs they're talking about. But the one that I know and love, and the one that I recommend, is the Roth IRA. And the Roth IRA, you get no deduction today, but you pay no tax ever. You will never pay another dime of tax on that money that goes into a Roth IRA. And I know that we can't go into it in grave detail here, but if you have questions about it, ask them next week. Unless, so unless you're in a situation where you have to scrape together every deduction that you have, can possibly come up with to avoid sending the IRS just a ton of money, I recommend doing the Roth. I'd rather pay the tax today while I'm healthy and I'm working and I know that I'm going to have to work. I'd rather pay the tax today and have no tax later because I can't control tax rates. I hope we're on a flat tax next year but I don't know if it's going to happen. So, I, But I know that that's going to be tax free. The Roth IRA is the only account that Uncle Sam is not going to tax on you in retirement so you want to put as much away as you can. now. So those are some ways to get tax-deferred growth, if you put it in an IRA or you put it in your 401K. Now, let's talk about the most common investment that's in your 401K and probably the most common investment that you would use in an IRA, which is a mutual fund. Anybody heard of the term mutual fund? Can anybody explain in great detail how they work? (laughs) No. Well, let me tell you a story. Think about, I want you to think about mutual funds in this fashion. Think about going to the supermarket, okay? You got your basket. Right? And you're going up and down the aisles in the supermarket doing your shopping. Now you know what you like. You like Heinz ketchup versus great value ketchup. You like Coke versus Pepsi. You like Lipton iced tea versus Suzanne iced tea. You know, you, you're an expert on what you like. You see people in the produce aisle thumping, smelling, cracking. I don't know what they're doing, but they know what they're doing, right? They know exactly what they're there for, what they're looking for. What do you do when you buy your milk? What's the first thing you look for? Expiration date. Expiration date. That's right. You know what you're doing when you're going through there, and you get all your stuff in the basket, right? You get your milk, you get your items. You're looking for sales. If tuna is four for a dollar, how many cans of tuna are you buying? You're buying four. Absolutely, you might buy eight, right? You get all your stuff in the basket and you get it up to the front checkout and you've got this basket full of stuff, right? Think of that basket full of stuff as your mutual fund. A mutual fund is nothing more than a basket that's full of all kinds of different companies. When you put that stuff in the basket, you've probably got some things made by Procter & Gamble in there, made by Pepsi. You've got some things made by Johnson & Johnson. By Stryker. I mean, all kinds of the best companies in the world make all those different items in your basket. Anheuser-Busch? Don't know. maybe Hopefully not. <laughs> um, but think of your mutual fund as that basket. Now, with a mutual fund, you have a money manager that manages that mutual fund for you on your behalf and makes all the decisions. And every day he goes shopping. And that money manager goes shopping, but he doesn't shop in the supermarket. He shops in the stock market. Now you're picking it up. Shopping in the stock market. And he's going up and down the aisles looking for things that he knows are good. He's an expert in what he likes. When he picks up a company, he doesn't look at the expiration date. He looks at revenue growth. He looks at sales momentum. He looks at P.E. ratios, all this yada yada stuff. And if he sees something that he likes, he will put it in his basket. Maybe he finds one that's on sale. He might buy four or eight if he thinks it's on sale. And then he gets his basket full of stuff, and he goes up to the counter with it, and he's got this basket full of companies. So inside that one investment, this manager might have anywhere from 50 to 150 different companies inside that one investment. So when you put your money into a mutual fund... Your money gets spread out amongst all of those different companies inside there. So your money is not just dependent on what happens with one company. It is dependent on all of those companies. So if one goes bad, it's kind of like a mosquito on the windshield. You don't really notice it that much. Okay? So the first thing a mutual fund gives you is that professional money manager. Okay? He isn't going to call you and say, hey, Crystal... uh, Pepsi's PE ratio is a little below trend average trading less than his peers I think we should sell it, is that okay? Crystal's like, what? I had a Pepsi this morning, does that mean anything? (laughs) No, (laughs) right? They just do it, okay? Usually you have to have millions of dollars before these guys will manage anything for you Mutual funds allow you access to money managers they're not just for wealthy people The second thing a mutual fund gives you is diversification When your money goes in your money gets spread out amongst all of those different companies in there Okay, that gives you diversification, not all your eggs in one basket. The third thing it gives you is economy of scale, because for you to go out and buy 50 or 100 different companies would be horrible, right? It would take too much time, too much effort. But let me tell you one thing. So those are mutual funds, and that's how a mutual fund runs, okay? And they are the most commonly used investment out there, okay? Now, I'm running way behind on time here, so I'm going to fast forward to one story that I want to tell you to help you understand how to use mutual funds with investing and I'm going to tell you that I hope I don't disappoint you but this is all investing really is okay if you can understand what I'm getting ready to tell you you are going to know more than about ninety percent of people out there trying to do it on their own so let's go open a business together let's say we're going to go out to Colorado in the middle of December and we're going to open a business we go out there in December everybody's skiing having a great time. The slopes are beautiful. Nice powder. And I look at you and I say, hey, why don't we open a ski shop? And you say, okay. So we are open We open a ski shop. We're selling skis, gloves, masks, everything. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Making money hand over fist. December, January, February. I mean, just a killing. Even into March. But then April and May start rolling around. And what happens? We're not selling skis anymore, are we? We're closing the doors. We're going out of business. Now, let me ask you another question. Let's say we go out to Colorado in the middle of December and I say, let's open a ski shop. And then you look at me in your infinite wisdom and you say, well, why don't we open a ski shop and a golf shop? So now, December, January, February, we're selling a ton of skis, right? But when the weather changes, as we know it always will, right? We don't know, especially in Missouri, we're not sure when winter's going to change to summer. But it's going to happen eventually, right? And when that does, the golf part of our shop starts doing well. We start selling golf clubs, amen? Start selling balls and tees, right? What we have done is we have established a business that no matter whether it's a blizzard outside or a sunshiny day, a part of our business is going to be doing well. No matter what the weather does. That's exactly what you need to do with your money and your mutual funds. You've got to have the appropriate amount of skis and golf clubs. And when I say golf clubs, when it's a sunshiny day outside and everybody's happy, you know, the stock market's going up, right? La, la, la. It's going to go up forever. Everybody's going to make money. We're all going to be millionaires, right? You want to have some mutual funds that do that. But when the economic weather changes as we have seen over the last few months that it can very rapidly and without notice, right? That's when the ski part of our mutual funds start doing well. And those are the type of investments in like bonds and CDs that, that don't, aren't affected by the stock market. So whether it's a sunshiny day or a blizzard outside, you wanna have the appropriate amount of skis and golf clubs in your investments so that you're prepared for whatever comes around. So Let me give you an easy guideline to tell you how much you should have in stocks. How much should you have in golf clubs at any given time? Okay, If you got a pen, write this down. Write down the number 120. Take your age, subtract it from 120. That's how much you should have in stocks. So if you're 50 years old, for a conservative, and this is just baseline conservative, if you're 50 years old, yes, you should have 70% of your money in stocks. If you're 60 years old, 60% in stocks or golf clubs for when it's a sunshiny day. And then the rest should be in bonds and, and things like that. So that 120 minus your age will tell you very easily. And I'll tell you what, Tom, if it's all right, I'm going to wrap up, and I might finish this next week. Is that Okay because I've got some guidelines that I wanted to go through with you and I don't want to feel like I'm rushing through them but I I want to make sure that we do get a chance to talk about them but investing is no more than keeping the right amount of skis and golf clubs so that you're not trying to guess which way the market is going to go because I cannot tell you which way the next thousand point move in the market is going to be don't know, don't care But I can reasonably tell you which way the next 5,000-point move is because if history is any guide and it's the only guide we have, the good outweighs the bad. And I know which way the next 5,000-point move is. And it's that that you have to be prepared for. And if you find yourself with no skis in your business, you could be going out of business in times like this. And I'm sure that a lot of you feel like closing up the doors, closing up shops, I'll come back around when things are better, right? Well, that's what we want to avoid. So investing is no more than the right amount of skis and the right amount of golf clubs. Next week, we'll come back together and we'll wrap all this kind of up because I know you're kind of sitting there again thinking, okay, you just cracked my universe in a whole different way because you've told me about skis and golf clubs now. How do I use that? Well, we'll come back together and we'll do that next week. But, Tommy? I don't want to go over my time. Thank you.
0: Mm. Man, that was awesome, wasn't it? That is good stuff. Um, if any of you you might not be interested in, you may be interested in it. I have a significant amount of stock in Hair Club for men that I'm willing to dump at any time. (laughs) I hate to do business at church. No, um, awesome stuff, really, really awesome stuff. People, you know, you might be thinking, well, this, this, is, uh, this is different for church. Yes, it is. Many times we'll bring in teaching pastors, people who have a significant, God has blessed them with a skill and a gift to educate us and to help us. How many needs practical information? We all need practical information that will really help us in making our decisions And and allow us to make better decisions, especially when it comes to our finances. The enemy attacks our families. The enemy will attack our life. Um, There is a very present uh, enemy called Satan. And he will come against you and your family and your home. And he will do it through the presence of finances. He will do it through the word called money. And we have to be very careful with this. It's important for us to gain knowledge and to gain learning. And you are in a church where even as as your lead pastor, I was thinking about this and thinking about the need and thinking about the recession. And, and, and immediately God put Chad into my heart and into my mind because I knew that we were going to be able to really gain information and knowledge and, and put some principles into action. And it's been really amazing even in our life groups as they have been talking about budgeting, talking about financing, talking about giving. And there's been some amazing stories that have even come from that. Um, it's been an amazing month to this point. God is really enlightening us. And I want you to know something. Um, we will bring Chad in as necessary. And we will, he will he will come back and share more with us. And we're kind of cutting him off a little bit because we do an hour-long service, maybe even next year we'll do more of a special-type situation to where we can really get down to business. Does that sound good to everybody? Because I know I know we're all enjoying what he's doing, but now we're getting into the time crunches, and we're kind of stifling him a little bit, too, and I don't want to do that. So, uh, But it's been amazing, this box that we've opened up, and I've I've gained and learned so much, and it's going to be an awesome thing even in our future, so we're really excited about that.